Hey guys, and welcome to the Movement Docs Podcast. I'm Jake. And I'm Mike. And we're just two guys who want to help students and clinicians grow in the field of rehab. Welcome to the show. That's perfect. Yeah. So, G, I got another question for you, too. Yeah. So in one of your posts, another one of your posts, you know, you, you describe two different concepts. One, macro patience, micro speed. And that's something that we talked about on a couple other episodes, too. Um, but I want, I want to go into more detail with that. And also, the cream always rises to the top. So mm-hmm. what, do, what do these quotes mean to you? And, and how have they guided your philosophy in life? Like, what, what, I don't know. Share with us. Drop some knowledge. All right. Let's get into this one. So, well, so macro patient kind of pairs up with micro patients kind of clear, pairs up with the cream always rises, right? And that micro speed is you can even bring it back to that uncertainty part. Mm-hmm. Basically, your day to day, what's going on? Maybe, maybe you're lost, you're uncertain, maybe you're in doubt of what's mm-hmm. going on. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm kind of crazy, man. Like I don't know <laughs> if other people go through this. Like they make up conversations in their head. Mm-hmm. Like I think everyone thinks that I'm like a loser and like, um, what is this kid doing? Why is he not doing this? Why doesn't he not have a job? Blah, 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 blah. Right. <clears throat> but then my backlash is like the cream always rises. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm good, as I say that I am, it would all, it would all play out in the end. Mm-hmm. Right. That's another thing. Gary V, my guy says, basically that was one of his quotes. If you're good at the end, if you're good, as you say you are, it would all play out at the end. Mm-hmm. And when I said this, when one of my friends was uh, in the post, I said he he got drafted to the MLS, right? Then he was playing for FC Dallas. He got sent on loan to like a lower level team. And after a while, he was playing, playing. And then I saw on Twitter that he was in the starting lineup for FC Dallas. And I quoted, I retweeted it saying the cream always rises. Because I knew he was a good player. He just needed his chance. And he was just coming up. That's kind of like a parallel to our life. Like we're just like, I mean, day to day it might seem like meek and bleak or, and seem like nothing's really moving. Maybe people are doubting you in like real time mm-hmm. and, or maybe you're making it up in your head. But mm-hmm. if you're, if you're like doing the right things and you're, and you know, you're talented at what you're doing, you know, you're smart, you know, you're like always educating yourself and getting better each day. You're going to, you're going to rise to the top. Mm-hmm. When it's all said and done, and another thing, my man Gary V says he says so much fire things. I I don't understand <laughs> where it comes from, but he's like, you can talk trash in the first quarter, but who's gonna talk at the end of the game? Hmm. Right, like like that Patriots last year, like mm-hmm. they just won at the end. Mm-hmm. Basically, mm-hmm. that's 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 his life. But well, he hates the Patriots. But basically, <laughs> the, that's 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 your life. Like maybe you're losing in the. First, second, third quarter. But if you're good enough, who's going to have the last laugh at the end? Mm-hmm. Right? It's kind of like a, just a positive kind of mind state. You know? Yeah, I've got, I've got, yeah, I've got this analogy, got this for, analogy you. for you. Oh, God. Here we go. All right. So, whoa. I can, like, hear myself. Am I getting, are you guys getting feedback? No, no. I'm getting I'm a little bit. Maybe I should move back a little bit. Weird. Um... So the whole like micro patients, sorry, macro patients, micro speed thing. Right? Mm-hmm. You guys ever study guys like ever plate study, tectonics like, and like earthquakes and stuff in school? Yeah, uh, probably like when I was in second grade. All right, so to hear me out here, this is what I was thinking about when you were talking, like okay. the whole cream of the crop thing, like how you got to wait your time until you know it's finally your time and then you're, you're successful. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's all these tectonic plates on the earth, right? And they move super, super, super slow, right? Like, we're talking, like, fractions of millimeters a year, right? I don't know if my order of operations is or my order is right, but they they move at a very, very slow pace, right? But think about what happens when they hit each other. Right when that when that tectonic plate like finally gets to where it's supposed to go, you've got like a an earthquake. Wow, Jacob, that was that was pretty good, man. Right? 
Mm-hmm. So you're just like, you're buying your time, you're buying your time, you're buying your time until boom. You it's like Solar Beam in Pokemon. You literally shot yes. the world. It's like Solar Beam in Pokemon, bro. <laughs> yeah, Venusaur needs a turn to charge up, but then... I mean, unless I mean, you have Sunny Day and skip a turn. But if you're a Water-type Pokemon, dude, or like Rock or something in the original oh, gen, yeah. you're you're screwed. If Venusaur gets <laughs> yeah. that Solar Beam off on you. <laughs> but that's what I was thinking of. You were talking about like that, <clears throat> just biding your time, you know, keeping your head down, grinding until it's uh-huh. finally your time to shine. And that's what I just, tectonic plates, man. Like even for you, Jacob, like how your s- setup is at, at where you're working at, like you're making decisions and maybe people might look at you like, what is this kid doing? He just got here. But in the back of your mind, it's like, all right, keep talking. We'll see who plays out in the end, right? Well, I mean, maybe. You know I don't I mean? know that I'm really making decisions right now. I'm just trying to be me. You just you should have just played that one off, but like yeah, but all right. <laughs> but we get yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. You know, you need to be patient. You need to to know that that good things will will come. You know, it's uh, it's like the you get out or the universe gives back what you put out to it. So you know, you put out this energy. You work hard. Uh, all that stuff should come back to you in waves. Um, you know, you work on being a good person and, and deep down knowing what's right, um, and it should come back to you. So I, I, I like what you guys just said. And remember, when you when you decide that you're going to do something, the entire universe conspires to help you achieve it. Oh, Paulo Coelho. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Love it. So the good. Alchemist. That book is so good. That one always yeah, comes Yeah, I read that back. in like high school. I should reread it. Oh, yeah. It's one of those books that you can read at different points in your life and take out different things depending on what you're going through at that point in time in your life. Yeah. Like, I killed that book. Like, I went through it because Full Metal Alchemist was out at the time, and I was like, yo, this is, like, the same thing. And, like, I was obsessed <laughs> with that book. Dude, speaking Bring of which, uh, season five of Full Metal Alchemist is on Netflix now. Boy, not Full Metal I mean, Alchemist. Yeah, you mean Seven full, Deadly Sins? No, no, no. Full Metal Alchemist. What? There's a new season? I mean, it's been out for, it's already been out for like four years, but. Oh, no. I've seen the whole put, thing. They finally put the last one on Netflix. I, I watched it. The okay. Other day. Uh, oh, you watched it the other day? Yeah, I had it on the background while I was doing notes. Sweet. Yeah. Oh, Mike, going to get meta really quick? Yeah, let's get meta. So there's a, one other question that we have for you, 2G. And so, you know, a couple of nights ago, we had this uber meta discussion <laughs> <laughs> regarding non-zero days and yeah. a, a second level of non-zero days. So it's like a, a non-zero within a non-zero. It's almost like a dream within a dream. Next level. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love so much that it keeps coming back. One, because it's more publicity for Dr. Mike and Next Level PT because they're awesome. But also yeah. that it just like fits so well in everything that we do. <laughs> but, we just, I, uh, I feel like we need, we need catchphrases. We do. <laughs> like, and I feel like at some point like that, because that keeps popping up, like that's going to, that's like one of our podcast catchphrases, like taking it to the next level. <laughs> We'll just have to make sure we reference the next level PT so they get their uh, credit. Yeah, you gotta cite them. Yeah, for take sure. It, we'll put that in the references. The at next level PT. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> but yes, so we, we took it to the next level uh, yeah. for non-zero, and it was a non-zero within a non-zero. And so, gee, <laughs> what is what does non-zero level two mean? And how can anyone listening to this implement those principles? So I'm so sorry that I put you through that that night. <laughs> it made sense in my head, but it probably didn't come out as planned. But basically, so non-zero is like we know that we should probably be doing a little bit each day to like build up to your goals. Mm-hmm. All right. But level two is like, what are you doing that day? Like how are you use maximizing your time throughout that day? Like that's basically the micro speed part. Are you milking 
each minute, each hour of your day to be productive, hmm. right? So this guy, this guy, Jordan Peterson, he says this a lot. He's like, what if we did the things that we were supposed to do? Like, what would our life look like? Hmm. And he's like asking this question, like really like sincere, like what would our life look like yeah. if we actually did these things? We like attacked chaos and kind of made it in order. Like what would our life look like? What if you kept doing it all day? Oh, well, like each day. Hmm. So that's basically what level two is. Basically being non-zero within a day itself in each minute, each hour, mm-hmm. right? Maybe you're reading a paragraph an hour, right? Or something like that. Something like your big goal for that day maybe broken up smaller, like like smaller for like each hour. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think that makes a ton of sense. You know, it, it kind of like breaks it up into that like discussion we had about drinking water, right? And so my goal yeah. might have been to drink a full Nalgene in the day, but, you know, as I'm breaking up through the day, how can I make this next hour down zero? Well, I'm going to drink, you know, eight ounces of water or, exactly. or something like that. And so, yeah. You, you're, like maybe your phone has a reminder every hour or 30 minutes to drink a sip of water or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you makes you get a bottle of water in like an hour or something. Yeah, and that kind of speaks to what you were doing a little bit with uh, reading emotional intelligence. And now you talked about like yep. you know ten pages a day, um, but you probably broke that up. You know, like when you had a couple of minutes, or like what did you do? Mm-hmm. Did you, yeah. Well, see, I was I wasn't that great, but how I did it when it was a good day, mm-hmm. I would wake up, I would read, I would eat breakfast or something like that, then read. Mm-hmm like emotional intelligence, so I don't have to read it for the rest of the day. Then maybe in the next couple of hours I would read a research article. Then all I have to do is maybe go to work, then come back, write my post. Right? It's kind of maximizing your time. Yeah. And so now I have a couple books that I'm reading right now. So maybe I read a little bit of one book in the beginning of the day and then maybe the other one a little bit further in the day. So by the end of the day I may have read like 30 pages and by the end of the month – I've read two books. Yeah. So yeah, that's good. It, it's a awesome. It's an awesome principle to live by, and taking it to that uber meta second level uh, is a way to to kind of keep yourself honest and and be successful. So I like that. Taking yep. it to the next level, <laughs> physical therapy. So is this what they call like Easter eggs? Is this what that's called? You know how movies have like other movies randomly placed in their movie. And those are called like Easter eggs. I think. I mean, yeah, I can see yeah, that. You know what I mean? <clears throat> I yeah. also, I also think that when Mike and I like, we've had lots of discussions about using subliminal messages to like brainwash our <laughs> listeners. <laughs> like, if you play it backwards, it's some crazy stuff. No, yeah. no, no, no. It's it's just a way. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a way of getting Not encouraging like people to listen to other episodes. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Subliminally. Right, we tried doing it liminal, um, lib- liminally, but that didn't work. We had to go subliminal. Wow. Did you make that word up? Or was that actually a word? I, I don't know. It was just in my head, man. I don't like subliminally, like the opposite of subliminal. I actually don't know if that's a real word or not. I I just went with it. It seemed like a good idea and joke. So it made sense, though. It made a lot of sense. So, so Jacob, I had some questions for you, bud. Ooh, I can't wait to hear your answers. Because right. I went real deep on, in your posts. Did you? How many? So, how many uh, non-zero levels deep? Like three, four? Uh, I think two. Okay, two, two. This is yep, yep. secondary. I didn't want to go too deep because then I can't really swim back to the surface. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, in one of your posts, you wrote about your father, right, and how your interaction with him has helped you with your patient care, right? So how was your interactions with him, how were your interactions with him since you were 11 affected and developed your emotional intelligence? And has that affected your practice through clinical rotations and working? Other than, because you've mentioned before like pain in your posts, but other than pain, like how has your interactions with him influenced like your interactions with like patients that you've been with? What do you, when you say other than pain, what do you mean other than pain? Like, like pain science stuff or no, like base other than other than understanding their pain, maybe, oh, okay. maybe like for me with like maybe my interactions at home, when I interact with like women and my, like I have my house is full of women, women, right? 
maybe when I interact with women, I have this deeper sense of like, like care for what they're saying because I'm trying to make their life better. Especially because I'm working in personal training, <laughs> right? Right. So like, I'm tra- I train a lot of women, so I care more because I feel like I'm taking care of my mom. Gotcha. So make gotcha. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like how. Like how how deep is your, like your relationship and what what is that like like? Um, I don't know, man. Like, this do you is... see your dad and like some of your patients is like, yo, this is I need to help you more, like, and you just I don't know. A, I want to know what you think. That's a that's a tough one, man. I feel like so just just for I mean I could I could literally talk for days about my experiences growing up with my dad. Uh-huh. But the the gist of it is that like, um, when I was eleven or ten or eleven, he he had just gotten divorced from my stepmom. So my my birth my my mother, the my, the woman that gave birth to me, died when I was six months old. So I never uh-huh. really got to know my mom. Um, I don't have any conscious memory of her. All I know is like stories that have been told and like you know pictures that I have. Um, and so growing up, I lived with my dad and my, my grandparents. And uh, when I was in third grade, my dad got remarried. And so uh, that relationship, their their marriage was very abusive. Um, and it was my stepmother, for the most part, that was like verbally abusive to me and my dad. Um, yeah. I think there was some alcoholism that was going on. I don't remember a ton as a kid, but I know that it was a messed up relationship and a messed up life. And looking back, I think there was a lot of things that affected, affected me like from a young age. And so coming out of that relationship, um, I think their divorce took longer than their marriage. Um, but we moved, we moved back to just him and I, when I was in like sixth grade. So they got got married in third grade. I lived with, I moved away from where I was, lived with my stepmom and my dad for two years. And then um, some stuff happened. We got evicted from our house and we had a very tough, like kind of like living out of a suitcase type situation while the divorce was going on. And then we finally got like a, like a new place and it was just me and him. And once, once it was just him and I, and like the stress of him going through everything that transpired from that divorce, um, I think really, really took a toll on him mentally. And and I don't think that he had ever recovered from my mom's death, um, because that was a very traumatic thing for him. And with all the other stuff that happened through the divorce, like a lot of different legal proceedings, um, he ended up getting put in jail briefly. Um, on like false pretenses because she didn't do file paperwork correctly. Um, and his, everything got, ended up working out fine, but he, because he was like falsely imprisoned and stuff like that, it just, it broke him. And from the time I was 11 or so, he, he had everything from, you know, just severe depression, post-traumatic stress. Uh, they diagnosed him with persecutional delusional paranoia. Um, we had all sorts of instances going through middle school, high school. He was in and out of different um, outpatient facilities, different psychiatrists, different uh, mental hospitals. Um, he had he's, he's bipolar. And then I think ultimately they diagnosed him with paranoid schizophrenia. And so just that like growing up in that environment where it was just me and my dad and like trying to be a child, but also be a caregiver and make sure he was taking his medication make sure that like, you know, the house was good. We had our food needs and stuff. Like it got to a point where I was like, when I was probably 13, 14, 15, I didn't, I didn't have money. I couldn't drive. I had to basically like force my dad to take me to the grocery store so we could go shopping. But like, he was so paranoid and freaked out that like we couldn't, we couldn't move through the aisles without him having like like panic attacks, right? Like it took me everything I had to get food and like cook for him and myself. Um, and then even just like, I mean, dude, there were nights in high school where like I had like a test the next morning, I had a football game the next morning and like his, his anxiety and paranoia were so bad that if there was a fire truck going down the road, like he thought that someone was coming to get him. Uh, and so just being in that environment and developing like 
<clears throat> more of like a true like unconditional love for someone, right? Because my dad was my everything growing up. He was like all I had. And we had such a great relationship. And I think that there has been some, you know, some strain in recent years. And it's just been tough, like, being an adult. And, um, I mean, he doesn't work anymore. Uh, there's just a lot of, like, kind of personal stuff that we, we struggle with. And um, he hasn't been on medication for a long time. And in his mind, everything that he's experiencing is, is like, a purely religious thing. And so that's, that's brought on a lot of struggle for myself with like my own spiritual life and, you know, kind of questioning like what's going on. But if it wasn't for my dad teaching me the things that he did when I was like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 years old. Um, and then like teaching me through just like living with him and like experiencing like what, what that lifestyle was like and, um, you know, how to care for someone, how to like truly love somebody, um, I don't think that I would be the person that I am today. And I think, I don't know that I see my dad in people, but I think that that coming from that experience and having such a kind of unstable and just like very different childhood that most people probably don't experience. um, I think it gave me just a different perspective and a different understanding of like human interaction and the way that people are. Um, And so... I probably have a tendency to be a little bit more, and I, I mean, I can, it's not all the time, but I have a tendency to want to try to, I guess, try to get to know people a little bit better and like truly kind of understand what's going on. Um, I feel like I pick up on a little bit of like probably more psychosocial stuff um, up than maybe some other people. I don't know if that's true or not, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I, that That experience and just like, I mean, everything since I was, 11. I mean, if you think about it, my most, the vast majority of my life at this point has been living with my dad who has had something going on. Um, and so, I don't know, it's just, it's just affected me. It's, it's made me who I am and it's tough. I mean, I think it teaches you how to truly be empathetic and how to truly care and how to like not judge and, um, to just understand that like, you know, your perception is your reality. And just because I don't um, see the things that my dad does, just because I don't hear them, um, just because I don't, I don't experience the same world that he does, it doesn't mean that I don't believe in him. Uh, it doesn't mean that I don't, you know, like cherish him and treasure him as a, as a human being and as an important person in my life. And so I, I find it's kind of, I guess, the same way with patients. Like, I don't have to believe everything that they say. Um, I don't have to truly know what's going on to, to not want to invest my time in them and try to help them accomplish their goals, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Dang, that was real. Uh, yeah, like I said, dude, I've got, I got tons of stories. I appreciate that. I got tons of stories. We can always talk about this stuff. I'm more than happy to share my experiences and just because I think there's a lot of power um, I mean, there's some catharsis in like talking about that stuff, but I think just being able to, especially in the world of like mental illness, like being able to openly talk about it and make it a conversation and make it so that it's not such a stigma. Cause I think it's one thing that just gets society is like when you talk about depression, when you talk about paranoid schizophrenia, when you talk about bipolar disorder, people aren't used to seeing it. They don't understand how it, what it is and how it affects the person or the family. And so I think, I think one of the things I'm always passionate about, and I probably don't do as good of a job as I should, um, is just being more vocal about stuff like that. And when the opportunity presents itself to have those conversations, um, because it's, it's stuff we need to talk about, so. Mm-hmm. Dang. For sure. All right, um, so let's go deep one more time. Maybe this is deep. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but and then we'll come back. We come. We we'll probably come right back out because. Uh, so, another post. You said you were afraid. What are you most fearful of at this point of your life, or at that time that you wrote that post? Um. I I guess like. Uh, I. 
I, f- I forget exactly what what I was going through my head when I wrote that. Um, but I mean, my biggest fear is 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 failing, and yeah. not necessarily like not like the fail that we talk about a lot, where it's like you know you you mess up, you learn from it, right? Like I failed at this this challenge in some aspects, right? Like I didn't make it to the gym as much as I wanted to, or I didn't you know read or do this as much as I wanted to. Um, but like like truly truly failing. Um, and I guess more like in the sense of like not failing at things, but I think failing myself, you know what I mean? Like it's hard to describe, but like, I feel like in my, you know, kind of just talking about with with my stuff with my dad, like there are, I feel like there are probably a little bit, there's probably some more pressures on me, whether there are or not in actuality. Yeah, but I, I, I feel, feel like there are pressures on me because of, you know, because of that situation, because of the way my family is, um, you know, because for all intents and purposes, like I just have a dad. Like my immediate family is my father, and he doesn't at this point he doesn't have an income. He doesn't have uh, health insurance. He has a ton of of medical stuff going on, and you know, in the back of my head, I'm trying to figure out how I can provide for him because he provided for me when I was a child, but like, I don't want him to go without, you know? So my family's has been fantastic and they've like stepped in and stuff like that. But I think failing for me would be being in a position where, you know, I can't do the things that I want to do. I can't provide for myself. I can't pay for my own medical bills. Can't pay for my own food. Um, I can't help my dad out. I can't be the, be like a good son and a uh, good, you know, uh, family member and take care of the things that I'm supposed to. Um, so I guess it would just be, you know, like failure, but a, di- a different kind of failure. Um, yeah. And then like, I guess it'd be more like kind of like letting, letting someone down, like letting myself down, letting, mm-hmm. letting my patients down, letting my dad down, um, letting my friends down, you know, not, not being um, that person that is always the, the person that you can count on. Because I feel like that's kind of whether again whether or not it's true, but I feel like in a lot of situations I I'm kind of looked to as like someone who is you know very stable and has their stuff together, and um, you can always count on and will always you know get get the job done. And you know I like I pride myself on that. Like I want to be that person, but it doesn't mean that on the inside I'm not freaking out and I'm not trying to <laughs> figure out my life. I get that. I get I mean, that. It's all the time. Everyone has we all wear masks in this world and whether or not they're deceptive on purpose or they're like protective or for whatever reason, like, you know, the stuff going on inside your head and your heart is always going to be different than the stuff that you show the world. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I I think, you know, letting myself down, not doing, not being the person who I feel like I'm supposed to be. Um, yeah that's a real statement not helping my you know not being the the clinician that my patients want want me to be not being the son that my dad wants me to be those are the things that i'm afraid of and i feel like there are times in my life where you know stuff pops up you know i'm slammed with paperwork i'm trying to do this podcast stuff i'm trying to grow as a clinician i'm trying to grow as a person and just like stuff pops up and it's it's hard man you can't you can't do everything um and so yeah failure not living up to those expectations is is the thing that, that scares me the most. So speaking of failure, this might be a little lighter, but right. So you said you're talking about you're failing in the non-zero day challenge. Mm-hmm. We know hindsight is twenty twenty. So what would you tell your December thirty first self how he should successfully get through the challenge? And what will be your recommendation to your future self in the upcoming challenge you guys have coming up? to how to be successful on that that's pretty light right yeah <laughs> sorry <laughs> sorry for the heavy emotional stuff dude. no you're good no you're good i hope that's not, not this is on purpose i wanted to hear that beautiful sentiment and i think that's because i feel that on a personal level yeah and i think it's important for our listeners to to hear that yeah. to hear those real things you know because they might be going through similar things as well you know and so you know to yeah. hear 
you know, how we're handling things as well. And, and I don't know, just the human aspect. I'm trying to formulate sentences, yeah. but there's like so much like things that are happening in my brain and my, going on. in my brain and the heart too. Like, dude, you got me oh all fired up and emotional hey, over here. So that, that's the thing, man. Like, awesome. like we're, we're, thank you for that. We're all human, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. like, no one is above anything. Yeah, just because just because I, I tell jokes and say like the next level, like you know, <laughs> I'm I'm still human just like everybody else. You know? Yes, and I, I think we're all the same. I'm I'm glad that we have a platform to be able to to do that and connect with people and be able to share mm-hmm. stuff like that because, like I said, I mean, those are things I feel like we you know we all need at some point in our lives, regardless of what medium it is, we all need to talk about you know what your story is, what makes you you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so much power in, in sharing that and being open and like, you know, being vulnerable and now, I mean, who cares? Like if somebody writes like a stupid mean comment on Instagram or something like that, whatever, who, who cares? Right. But yeah. it's the one person that that message reaches. It's the one person that's struggling with, you know, mental illness, whether it's personally or whether it's in their family. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if, if it's, if anything that I can share can, can be of benefit to that, you know, help them with that. That's awesome. Um, Heck yeah! What what was what was hindsight twenty twenty? So speaking, of, yeah, speaking of failing, how would you what would you how would you guide your past self to be successful through this challenge, and what would you recommend to your future self and the upcoming challenge that you have, dude? To be successful, I think, I think the big thing would would just be like letting my past self know what the demands of like being a new grad would be. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I just don't think I don't think I was fully prepared, and some of it just was kind of like timing and, um, you know, being hired at the end of the year and trying to get insurance. There was a couple of changes with like my start date and stuff like that. Some of it was like coming in and, you know, trying to get a schedule established. And there's a little bit of like a, you know, just some couple of hiccups with like scheduling and, um, you know, no, I mean, none of that stuff was big deals. It was just, it was like just little things that, um, you know, at the time I, I probably thought they were more of a big deal than, than they were, but, when I was trying to scramble around and I'm still scrambling around like a chicken with my head cut off, trying to figure out like, Oh my God, do I need to call a doctor? Do I need to do this? Do I need to do that? Like, how do I, how do I send a, like a, how do I send off the eval to the doctors? Like, do I hit the fax button? Like, what do I put in here? <laughs> yeah, it's just like little, little stuff like that. Like, not really understanding like how much time documentation would take, not understanding like the, the amount of work that can go into a 40 hour work week. Right. I mean, as a PT, you get paid for 40 hours a week. But you don't get paid for documentation. They're trying mm-hmm. to find ways to like make it so that I'm doing I'm doing stuff at work or um, that I would be more prepared for how to do evals, how to write things, how to do daily notes, just just all the stuff, the day to day stuff. If had I known that a month ago, I think this whole challenge would be completely different. Um, mm-hmm. But even even also just like the emotional toll that like psychologically like you know sometimes you you deal with patients that dude, they've seen some stuff man they've been through some some crap and you have to i know riley talked about it um on our podcast with her where you've got to be able to sometimes take that like emotion and that that stuff that people are giving you and just take it and like understand it and process it and just like not let it affect you because i mean i've had i had a patient a couple weeks ago where she had been in, in a car accident and had had like a spinal fracture and like she was kind of in a holding pattern with her docs and they didn't know she didn't know what was going on right she no one told her anything and so she's freaking out because she doesn't know what's happening with her and she doesn't know she's going to be normal again and so when i got her in a room the first thing she says to me is if if you can't help me i don't know who's going to help me i don't know what's going to happen and I mean, she's good now, but like, damn, you put some high expectations on me. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of stuff that we got to kind of process and, and figure out. And so stuff like that's hard, man. It can be hard. So just, just really fully understanding like the demands of the job and what I was getting myself into. Cause I love what I do. Yeah. I love what I do, but I just, you know, I don't like having to take home notes at night, but. At the end of the day, if that means that my care is better and I can spend more time with a patient and make a difference in somebody's life, then I'll take home all the notes that I need to take home. 
So how would you, what would you say to your, uh, your, what about yourself? What would you say to your future self? How do you, how would you navigate the next challenge you got coming up? Just do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, just do it. it. <laughs> like who cares if you only get six hours or six and a half hours of sleep, you still now have a CPAP. So you're actually getting oxygen to your brain like you weren't before. So, um, you know, just, just do it. Like, Experience, right. experience life and learn and, and just do it. Okay. So, Mike, mm-hmm. we're going to go deep first, and then the other couple questions are, like, not as, not as serious. Okay. But um, can you explain the concept about going deep into something that you wrote, that you wrote about in one of your posts? Mm-hmm. What are you going deep into now? And how are you staying deep and not resurfacing? Yeah. So this is um, a quote from a book called Tribe of Mentors. And so I keep mentioning that that book in all of these different podcasts because it really resonates. And there's just quotes from all of these different people and their perspectives on life. And so this guy talks about this, this one quote of we're all kind of living in this superficial world. We're on the surface, right? We're like one of these, these rivers that's a, a mile wide, but only an inch deep. Meaning, you know, like, you know, it's not very far deep at all. And so, you know, it resonated with me a lot because I've been thinking a lot, especially with emotional intelligence and, and about these human connections and everything that we're making. And, yeah. and, you know, in today's society, we're more connected now than we ever have before. You know, we've got Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Tumblr, whatever it is, you, you name it, we have it. Don't forget Tumblr. Right? And so, yeah, no, because we need to create that Tumblr at some point, um, you know, with the GIF GIFs, of course. Yep. Um, but, but you know, we, we're we're all we're connected so much more now than we ever were before. But are we really? You know, it's like we have all of these connections, but they're all on this superficial level. You know, no one sees the insecurity that we have or the sadness that we feel uh, because it's not desirable or attractive. So why would we post that up? You know, uh, Jake just talked about how we all wear these different masks. And I think that's so true when it comes to social media. You know, we, we say mm-hmm. we'll have this post being like, oh, you know, this you know, having such a great time doing this, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, with, with our friends, but we don't talk about the, the huge fight that we have with our friends or like all this other kind of scenarios. And um, we never go more than an inch deep in those connections that we make. And so everybody's like, oh, yeah, I need to make, you know, get so many likes. I need to have all these followers. I need to do this stuff. And. Yeah, like on a superficial level, sure, that's great, you know. Um, but, but what does that really mean? You know, are you able to sit down and have a meaningful connection with someone? Uh, do you, are you actually invested in, in the time uh, to that person? You know, do you have an understanding of what's going through their head? Are you willing to commit to, to understanding what's going through and listening to, to what someone is saying and actually saying? You know, what other perspectives or insights, you know? Are you capable of being emotionally available for this person and loving this person um, as they come in front of you to, you know, as they start to talk to you? And I don't necessarily see that all the time. And it resonated with me a lot because I read that quote and I started thinking about that myself. And I'm like, hmm, you know, there's a lot of times where somebody would be trying to tell me something and I'd listen for a second. And then as soon as something got really heavy, I'd, I'd kind of tune it out a little bit. And I'm like, oh, man. So I'm maybe not being so, you know, emotionally available for that person. And maybe what they really needed at that time was someone to listen to what they were saying, you know, and I was too wrapped up with whatever was going on in my own head. And so, Uh you know, I think we need to be able to go deeper and have the courage to go deeper and understand that it's going to take time and it's, it's something that we need to work on, but ultimately is the most important thing because, get rid of all of the distractions that we have in today. And what do we have people? And that's ultimately like, we're all the same person. We're all one <laughs> if you really think about it. And so we need to be able to be capable of loving ourselves, which in effect is loving each other. And, and so that really resonated with me. And so just going deep is, is, is reflecting about those experiences and making sure that I'm investing the time in, in people to make sure that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there for them and I'm committed to, you know, understanding them. And so that's what I've been trying to do for this past month is just making meaningful connections because ultimately that's the only thing that really matters. Mm-hmm. 
all this that we're talking about, basically summarizing what this book was about, like listening to people, actually engaging with them, not listening to respond, but just listening mm -hmm. and like being emotionally av available to people, like being open, stuff like that. Mm. So that's really cool how we're actually talking about the book, but not actually talking about the book. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. Mike, when you said, when so, you said go uh, deeper, it yeah. reminded me of one of our joint favorite bands, Third Eye Blind. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, if you remember the blue album, the song mm -hmm. Deep Inside of You. Mm -hmm. 2008 or no, 1998, I think is when that one came out. I believe so. Mm. Yep. But it just that that song just started playing in my head when you were talking about how <laughs> we we need to go deeper. Um, yeah. Yeah, man. It's all about the connections. That's 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 what it is. We're all human. We need to be there for each other. I just want you to be my non-dairy creamer. Oh my gosh, that song. <laughs> we need to have a podcast just about third eye blind because I'm gonna nerd out. Oh, man, Motorcycle Drive-By, such a great song. God of Wine. I think that whole self-titled album that they released was just, that's got to be one of my favorite albums of all time. There's so much said in that album. Um, yeah, no, it's just so good. That album went platinum, I'm pretty sure, because Semi-Charm Life and How's It Gonna Be and Jumper, and, uh, like, springboarded it, but those aren't, I mean, they're good songs, but and, there's so many and other Graduate. Graduate, oh. man, that whole album I don't, is just so. I don't want to go to London. Mm -hmm. Motorcycle drive by is by far my favorite song, though. Yeah, that one's so good. So good. <laughs> Careening through the universe, your axis on a tilt, you're guiltless and free. I hope you take a piece of me with you. Yes. Damn. Damn. Beautiful lyrics. <laughs> so, Mike, one of your. Uh... So speaking of third eye blind, one of your goals were uh, was uh, to lose ten pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is such a that is such a great segue. <laughs> yes, it was. What do, you, yeah, what do you do in the face of the evil food craving? It's what's that like? What's that conversation in your head like? Yeah, yeah. and how you know? Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, no, food cravings are the worst. You know. Um, there's so many times throughout the day, uh, especially when I get home at night and I've had a really taxing day where I just want to like sit down to like just a pile of cookies, just like eat them and like eat all of my emotions away. Um, what I've done is, or what I try to do and, and moderate success with this as well, um, was just finding ways that I could set myself up for success, you know, like set my future self up for success through preparation. And so what helped me the most was every Sunday, you know, like going to the grocery store early, doing all the meal prep in the morning, um, getting everything ready for the week. So when I got home, all I had to do was heat something up and I had a nutritious meal that had, you know, the, the full, like a little bit of carbohydrate, vegetables, proteins, and all that, what, what have you. Um, and so that helped me in one regard because I was getting more balanced meals more than I ever had before versus just eating a pile of cookies. But there were mm -hmm. days where I would eat all that and or I'd eat some of that for dinner and I'd still want a cookie. And so what I would try to do is say, all right, well, I'll make a little bit more of the veggies with, you know, the proteins that I had on it. And I really like this hot sauce. So I'll throw that on there and I'll eat that and I'll drink some water. And if I still want the cookie then so be it, I'm going to eat the cookie because that's what I need right now. Um, but <laughs> you know, and that's, and I think that's okay. Cause a lot of times people fall into the stigma yeah of trying to be perfect. And they say, ah, oh, you know, I'm going to get rid of sweets. I'm not going to eat this anymore. And then the minute that they do, they're like, oh, my whole plan's ruined. I'm just going to eat the rest of these cookies now and, and go on and so forth. And, you know, I, I think you need to be comfortable with striving for excellence and not necessarily striving for perfection. And, you know, for me, I was bargaining with myself a little bit, but I was also saying like, all right, I want to make sure that I cover my bases and I'm going to get the nutritious like food that I want. But if emotionally I still want that cookie and for whatever reason I cannot convince myself otherwise, then I'm going to let myself have the cookie and, and accept that and move on from the next day. Um, uh -huh. And that really helped me because I wasn't getting rid of things anymore. I was saying, yes, I'm allowing myself to have this. And that one on most days when that happened, I didn't have the desire to eat the junk food anymore. And on the days that it did happen, I was okay with it 
and I still ended up losing 10 pounds this month. So like it can be done. And I think, you know, we not, we can't, we, we got to avoid dealing with absolutes because it's just not healthy for our psyche when we're trying to make behavior changes. Uh Yeah. And then, you know, like I like brewing beer. I like drinking beer. Like it's kind of been a, a hobby for me. And I think it's not, I didn't get rid of drinking beer altogether, but what I did was really kind of like check in and reflect why I wanted the beer on some days. And so I noticed that whenever I got home, especially when I got home at night after a really busy day or whatever, I'd be like grabbing for the beer the first thing. And I always wonder, I was like wondering why I did that. And I kind of checked in and reflected and part of it was emotional for sure. But the other facts was like one, I was thirsty and two, it was cold and convenient and three, it was carbonated. And so I checked in with that and I was like, huh, I wonder if it's the carbonation that I really like. I like the feeling of the bubbles versus, you know, just like wanting a beer. Yeah, I, it was weird. And so I, <laughs> I'm not saying this is going to work for everyone, but I swapped out yeah. the whenever I wanted that feeling for a beer, I grabbed like San Pellegrino or like mineral water instead. Mm. And, you know, I drank that when I with dinner, got the enjoyment from the bubbles and <laughs> drank a lot less beer because of it. <laughs> So for me, it was like the, like, I liked the feeling of the bubbles and I was dehydrated. So when I drank more water and I drank mineral water, I almost like had less desire for beer after that. So it was kind of like a weird thing, but that's what I ended up doing. <laughs> that's hilarious. Bubbles. Bubbles. Every time you said bubbles, I wanted to laugh so hard. Bubble, bubble, bubble. <laughs> All right. Last one. And I think this one is the shortest one. Okay. So we can, uh, so what was the most productive thing you've done in five minutes during this challenge that paid you the most dividends? Sure. I think you had a post talking about something like that. Yeah. 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 It's uh, I think the quote was, it was probably from tribe of mentors. Again, it was excellence is the next five minutes. And so, Oh yeah. It talks a lot about, you know, um, owning those next five minutes. And, you know, when we talk about the next level PT um, <laughs> of, of the non-zero challenge, you know, we talked about this a little bit too, but, um, making those next five minutes as productive as you can. And there wasn't anything in specific that I did in five minutes that was super productive, but just changing that mindset and reframing. So whenever I felt lazy or exhausted or unmotivated or run down, excellence is the next five minutes would come in my head. And so it'd get me off Netflix or off the couch or out of the refrigerator. And it spurred me to do something productive when I was unmotivated to do anything, you know? So it helped me read more. I finished a couple of books because of it and, um, you know, those five minutes may have turned into like 60, but it broke the inertia, you know, rather than laying on the couch, I was like, well, I'll do something for five minutes. And then it turned into like 60 minutes sometimes. So mm-hmm. it got me, it got me off the couch and doing things. And I think that's where the power of it comes from. What books are you reading now? So I, uh, I finished emotional intelligence. <laughs> I also went the, I also went, uh, Jacob Manley's route and did the audiobook for that <laughs> as well. <laughs> but, um, I read crucial conversations, which is an interesting one. I read travel mentors. Uh, I started a book that was a recommendation from Sam, um, strength therapist, which was thinking fast and slow. And then I've got a list of, like five or 10 more that are on the docket, but, oh, and I read Stronger, which is a story about uh, the gentleman that survived the Boston Marathon bombings and was able to identify the terrorists involved, which is kind of a cool autobiography. Uh But it just, you know, that, that principle of exercising books and excellence is the next five minutes helped me read more than I ever have. (laughs) So it's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. I might have to steal that. I'm going to need to start using that. (laughs) (laughs) Read Tribe of Mentors. I got it. Step one was buying it on Amazon. Yeah, do that. Read that book. Is that the the next one I should read? I will. Yeah, it's it's not set up like a regular book is um, where there's like a story and stuff. It's more so just like I have 600 people that I've interviewed with these 11 questions and here are their responses. Um, and so it's an interesting way that the book is set up, but I read it cover to cover and I loved every minute of it because the perspectives that some of these people bring to the table are just, uh, so profound. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I will have to do that so that I can level up. Oh my God. (laughs) 
This will never end. No, it won't. <laughs> oh, gosh. Excellent. So that's good. And I think, you know, at this point in time, we're probably running near the end of our show here. Um, gee, I think I think we broke the record. This might be the longest podcast that we've recorded thus far. Hey, man, it got really good at the end, bro. <laughs> that, that last uh, hour this. and 28 minutes, it, it got pretty real. Hmm. For sure. If you listen this far, you really love us. <laughs> and we love you. Yeah, I think I think if you listen this far, you probably got a lot of stuff out of, out of this one was this was good. Um hmm. there's a lot yeah. of a lot of real talk, a lot of good just like being human, being vulnerable and yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there's And so gee, there's oh go ahead. Uh, just, there's there's lots of lots of good stuff in this one. Go mm-hmm. for it, because and some Easter eggs. <laughs> I, I got to make a cobbler, so we should probably uh, we, should, we should probably get going. Okay. <laughs> All right, for the sake of Jake's cobbler. So, there, Gerard, there's there's one uh, question that we always ask at the end of our show, and you've at, you we've had the pleasure of asking you this question once before, but we're going to ask you it again because perspectives change mm-hmm. and new things are learned all the time. So we here at the Vivid Docs, we believe in moving forward always in all that you do. So based on all of your previous experiences in knowledge, in life, in love, the pursuit of happiness, what is one piece of advice that you would give to anyone listening to this show to help them be the best versions of themselves? All right. So last time I said macro patient, micro speed. That was my lock screen. Now my screensaver, I switched it, and it says, God will not have his... Work made manifest by cowards. Always, 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 always do what you are afraid to do. Do the thing you fear, and the death of fear is certain. <laughs> That's drop the mic. Awesome. Do, do I just do I just end the do I just hit at end? Like do we end it there? Do we even like yeah, you say might as well people yeah. just, oh. nah. <laughs> <laughs> That was perfect. <laughs> Well, no, we, we, we should say a few things just because, um, you know, if anybody wants to get in card contact. So, Gerard, if there's anybody that wants to get in contact with you, how are they going to, what's the best way that they can do that? You guys can slide in my Instagram DMs. Uh, my Instagram is Gerard, G E R A R D, dot A T C. And you slide in my and DMs stand, and hit me up. Stands can, for always talk. talking crap. Let's get it. <laughs> That's perfect. Gerard, we can't be taking a question in show. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. Oh, gosh, I love it. <laughs> well, thanks again, everybody, for tuning in this week where we spoke to Gerard Talbot Paul and SATC. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, or have a topic that you'd like us to discuss, shoot us an email at tmdmovementdocs at gmail.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. I need a cigarette again. Mm. <laughs> That's on the... <laughs>